Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Elite Titans podcast. I am your host, known Twitter scoundrel, the Canadian Titan, Ethan Jordan, and I'm back once again to recap another fantastic win by your Tennessee Titans, beating the Indianapolis Colts 19-10, completing the season sweep, fuck the Colts, god damn is it already a good victory week. Now, as always, we are going to recap a little bit of the Indianapolis Colts game. I'm sure all of you elite Titans fans have heard countless podcasts recapping it, but we're going to do it again because that's what we do here at the ETP. We're also going to talk a little bit about the state of the Titans right now and why, even at 4-2 and two with the 31st ranked offense in the league, the Titans are contenders. Lastly, we're going to wrap up with a quick, quick preview of the Houston Texans that we play on Sunday because hopefully I'm able to get a full-fledged preview out there. Got a lot of stuff going on at home right now that is that is hampering my ability to get podcasts out as I would like, but that's neither here nor there right now, and I will update you elite Titans fans on that when I can. But first, first and foremost... Let's talk about a few players who really stood out, for better or for worse, on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. And the first guy that has to be mentioned, Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper had three receptions, only three receptions, but they were three crucial receptions on Sunday. One, getting a first down, another one I actually don't remember whatsoever, so I guess it wasn't that crucial. And the third and the most important catch was on the Titans' final important drive that helped set up a game-clinching field goal. It was a Julian Edelman-esque catch, and if you are an elite Titans fan, which I'm sure you are if you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. After an entire off-season of hype and five games of complete irrelevance, Austin Hooper finally pulled up his big boy pants and said, I'm going to stop being an embarrassment. I'm going to stop being a terrible signing. And I'm going to stop being an absolute waste of space on this Titans team. And I'm going to do something. And do something he did. And thank God that he did. Because on a day where the Titans only had four active wide receivers, and one of them was Mason Kinsey, Somebody needed to step up. Now, this Titans offense cannot only be Derrick Henry. There has to be at least one other weapon on the field. Now, we had hoped that that would be he who shall not be named, but God came in and interjected in that sense. We had hoped it would be Traylon Burks, but the Colts' shitty-ass field at Lucas Oil Stadium stuck their nose into that one and said, you got to go on injured reserve because we're going to break your fucking foot. We had hoped it would be Robert Woods, but after a handful of games, we see Robert Woods is just really a reliable, mostly reliable wide receiver too. He's not a stud. So we needed someone to step up, and that's what Austin Hooper did. So you got to give him props for that. Next player have to shout out, Bud Dupree. 
Now, as some of you listeners know, the Canadian Titan was formerly a Bud Dupree Stan account. And to be completely honest, I'm secretly still a Bud Dupree Stan account. I just don't publicly advertise it because I feel like the football gods are watching me and they know that when I root for Bud Dupree, that he seems to get hurt. I'm just trying to do my part as an elite Titans fan by not advertising my Bud Dupree standness. But Bud Dupree absolutely balled out in his healthiest action coming back from his hip injury. As soon as he took the field, there was a very clear difference between the Titans' pass rush with and without him. He is a force multiplier. And this has been discussed numerous times on this podcast and on other podcasts, but he's a fucking freak. He penetrates the backfield like nobody's business, and the only touchdown that the Titans scored on the day while being, you know, like, it, it totally was Andrew Adams who who got the interception, ran it back 76 yards for a touchdown. Have to give props to Adams there. But that interception happened because Bud Dupree came off the edge like a madman and made Matt Ryan shit himself so aggressively that he separated his shoulder and now he's not going to be the starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. That's, in my mind... Exactly what happened. And you can't convince me otherwise. Bud Dupree ended Matt Ryan's career. That's the narrative I'm going with. Fuck you if you disagree. The third player I actually just mentioned. Andrew Adams. The safety that we brought over from Pittsburgh's practice squad. Now it's not only the pick six, which was fantastic, thank God that that happened, it wasn't only the pick six that landed him here. On top of that, Andrew Adams made the most of the opportunity that Mike Vrabel and the Titans afforded him. He was all over the field. He made crucial open field tackles in a spot that I don't think anybody expected him to be able to rise up to. Because even I... One of the most elite Titans fans in history was not prepared for that performance. Andrew Adams was a nobody. He was he was just some dude on a practice squad in Pittsburgh who, who played a handful of snaps and, and had a little bit of production. But now, on Sunday, he was a hero. And he got a nice game ball to take home to his family. Super happy about Andrew Adams rising to the occasion. And it's thanks to Andrew Adams that we were able to play Amani Hooker in the big nickel. We were able to have Roger McCreary along the outside. And Terrence Mitchell, Marshall? Mitchell. Terrence Mitchell was able to not be a complete embarrassment. We have Andrew Adams to thank for that. So those three players... Bud Dupree, Andrew Adams, and Austin Hooper get my shoutouts. Now, of course, Derrick Henry balled the fuck out, got his 30 carries for 128 yards, once again embarrassing the Colts. And Ryan Tannehill, despite not having good, even respectable, remotely respectable passing numbers, was still a vital cog in the success of the Titans on Sunday. Those players get honorable mentions. 
but Bud Dupree, Andrew Adams, and, and, and Austin Hooper, golf clap. Not sure if the, if the mic is picking that up, but that's a golf clap for those three players. The shitty players, while they're the shitty players who have been shitty for a very long time for the Tennessee Titans, Dennis Daly is an embarrassment. And I know you elite Titans fans out there have heard me bitch about Dennis Daly for so long that you're probably thinking, I'm just going to fast forward 16 minutes into this podcast because he's about to go on another rant. Before you advance through this podcast, let me just say I'm not going to go on a large rant. Dennis Daly sucks. You know it. I know it. Let's move on to another terrible, terrible Tennessee Titan, and that's Jeff Swaim. Now, I know some people seem to think that Jeff Swaim isn't terrible. He's just not suited to be tight end number one. But I don't know if you guys saw this play. I definitely saw this play. Ryan Tannehill fit a pass into the end zone through two or three defenders, where only Jeff Swaim could get it. It was a beautiful pass on an otherwise ugly passing day. And Jeff Swaim's, fuck it, I don't even know how to, his dumb ass couldn't move in the direction of the ball. Watching him dive with all his effort to move half a foot in the air and fall just filled me with so much rage. Jeff Swaim steals snaps from Chiga Conquo. I do not care what Mike Vrabel's propensity to, to avoid rookies is. I do not care that he cares about the fundamentals and all that shit. Jeff Swaim and Dennis Daly need to be off the Titans. They need to not be Titans. And I'm the kind of guy who will give the benefit of the doubt to anybody. Hell, I still want Caleb Farley to play. I still want Dylan Radins to play. I still wanted Isaiah Wilson to play until the second the Titans cut him. I never call for, for Titans to get cut. But Jeff Swaim and Dennis Daly need to go. God damn. Damn, am I tired of seeing them on my screen. Those are the only two shitty players. In fact, I'm sure there were other players who who underperformed. But those are the two that come to mind. God, I hate those players. And before we move on from the Colts game, there's two other topics I want to discuss. Ryan Tannehill and Todd Downing as one topic. And the other topic I want to talk about revolves around Dylan Radins and Nicholas Petit Frere. So let's start with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill got injured. One of the most durable quarterbacks in the NFL right now finally succumbed to an injury. He went down, seemed he got clipped or something from behind, and he fell like a ton of bricks. And collectively, the entire Tennessee Titans fan base held their breath and panicked as Ryan Tannehill headed to the blue tent. I immediately saw responses on Titans Twitter that he tore his ACL because he immediately grabbed for his knee. Or, oh shit, that's a high ankle sprain. He's out for six to eight weeks. And so many people thought, 
either the season is over or now it's Malik's time. And it seems like, honestly, they were both wrong. Ryan Tannehill came back after missing only a single play and was able to throw that pass to Austin Hooper that sealed the game more or less was able to roll out to the right on that damaged ankle and complete a pass. Ryan Tannehill is QB1. And I don't just mean he's the top of the depth chart. He's the best quarterback the Tennessee Titans have ever had. And I say this as a diehard fan of Steve McNair. Steve McNair was the reason I started watching football. He's my favorite player of all time. Number nine is my favorite number because of Steve McNair. But fans need to let go of this nostalgia and this this feeling of of his untouchable legendary status because it still exists. Steve McNair is still a legend. His number is still retired. And I don't think 17 is ever going to get retired. But the football that Ryan Tannehill is playing may not be the sexiest. But he is just a fucking gangster for being able to take the hits that he takes thanks to this shit offensive line. And the hits he took all last year. And still be able to get up and not complain. To smile and keep the momentum and the morale that the Titans offense has. That's Ryan Tannehill. He's our best quarterback. And, yeah, his numbers do not look great right now. But I feel like, as Titans fans, we have to be more than happy about what we have at QB. There was a huge argument after the Cincinnati Bengals' loss. After the three interceptions he threw, can we win with Ryan Tannehill? And... The majority of Titans fans, even the most optimistic fans, even fans like myself, an elite, was questioning it. Because how can you win when your quarterback can't elevate the players around them? There's this common thought that everything has to be perfect for Ryan Tannehill to be successful. And that's just not true. In fact... Ryan Tannehill's successful right now. The Titans are on a four-game winning streak. And I hardly would say that everything has been perfect. But there's this one thought that keeps getting thrown around about elevating players. And it really made me think. If you consider all of the quarterbacks that some Titans fans or most Titans fans or, or, or some contingent of Titans fans wanted in this offseason. Russell Wilson fucking sucks this year. He's terrible. And he would be even worse on the Tennessee Titans. Tom Brady this year is terrible. And he would be atrocious on the Tennessee Titans. And this one's my absolute favorite. Aaron Rodgers, this year, is terrible. And he would be worse on the Tennessee Titans. See, because here's one thing that I don't think fans really pay attention to. 
so many times people would say, well, Tom Brady never had weapons. Bullshit. He always had reliable weapons. He didn't always have big names, but he always had a Wes Welker or Julian Edelman or Rob Gronkowski. Anytime he was successful. Aaron Rodgers didn't have weapons. Bullshit. The year he won the Super Bowl, Donald Driver and Greg Jennings were quality, quality wide receivers. Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. These are all quality receivers. Now, sure, you would wish that they would have got better receivers considering the quality of quarterback. But the fact remains, they still had people. Ryan Tannehill doesn't have people. And yes, the one time he had people, I know he had Julio Jones and he had Lord Voldemort. I get it. But right now, he has Robert Woods, less than a year removed from his ACL. He has Nick Westbrook-Akina. He has Mason Kinsey and Cody Hollister. Tom Brady is not getting it done with a bunch of bums and Mike Evans. Aaron Rodgers is not getting it done with Rob Tanyan, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs. These are all people that I'm sure most would agree are better than Mason Kinsey and Cody Hollister and probably even Nick Westbrook-Akina. They have better weapons and are failing. They have better offensive lines and are failing. And Ryan Tannehill is on a four-game win streak. Guys, it's not that easy to be a quarterback. It's not that easy to be a quarterback on a team with a shit offensive line and no offensive weapons. And all Ryan Tannehill has done for the Tennessee Titans is win. Win, win, win. Consecutive winning seasons. On our way to our third consecutive division title. Third consecutive home game for the Titans in the playoffs. These are the things that every single team wants. And we have it. Now, sure, there's other things that have to be shored up. We need to fix the offensive line. Get Dennis Daly's bitch ass out of here. We need Traylon Burks to come back, Kyle Phillips to fucking recover, and get some weapons, some real weapons, and modernize this offense at least a little bit. But the quarterback, the quarterback is fine. And I'm really excited for the future with Malik Willis. I think he has the potential to be elite. But Ryan Tannehill is a step below elite. I really, really think it's time to give him the fucking respect that he deserves. The Elite Titans podcast will always be a Ryan Tannehill stand podcast. And this brings me to Todd Downing. What is Todd Downing supposed to do? I don't know if you guys pay attention during Titans games, what's happening on Titans Twitter. For the most part, I try and avoid it because Titans Twitter is a toxic-filled 
dumpster fire each and every Sunday. Because if every single play is not a 10-yard gain or a touchdown, it's a problem. And if every defensive play is not a sack, a pass breakup, or an interception, it's a problem. But Todd Downing was dealing with the worst four wide receivers in the NFL, the worst wide receiver group. I think it's pretty indisputable. He was dealing with a turnstile across the offensive line with Dennis Bitchass Daly and NPF, who are graded as two of the worst tackles in the NFL. He was dealing with well, I, I guess those were the two things he was dealing with. But he was also dealing with Mason Kinsey. What the fuck is he going to do with Mason Kinsey? God, I hate Mason Kinsey. What is he expected to do? Because if he just runs the ball, it, oh, another first and 10 run, how creative. That's the response anytime Derrick Henry gets the ball on first or second down. And then if he tries to make a pass play, well, why aren't we taking deep shots? You know why we're not taking deep shots. Because anytime Ryan Tannehill stands back in the pocket for more than a second and a half, he's got one or two defenders checking his prostate. Like, holy shit, do you guys really think that it's just that easy? Oh, well, just call the plays that work and don't do the other plays. Just take deep shots with your shitty ass O-line and your wide receivers who can't get separation. Why aren't you doing that? And what's crazy is the one play that I can recall this past Sunday where, where Ryan Tannehill did take a deep shot to Nick Westbrook-Akina. He had DeForest Buckner, I think, right in his face as he threw it, which caused him to short it. You cannot run deep passing plays, long developing passing plays with an offensive line as terrible as the Titans is. Now look, I don't believe that the Titans offensive line is going to be terrible forever. In fact, I think that the plan, I don't have any reason to, or any inside knowledge, my Canadian ass doesn't have sources. But I believe that the plan was, if Nate Davis was healthy, that he would be at right guard, and Dylan Radins would be at left guard, and Dylan Radins would be better than Dennis Daly. And that would open up the playbook at least a little bit. I believe that. And whenever Nate Davis finally decides to stop being a pussy and for his foot to stop hurting, we'll be able to see if that's true, and we'll be able to see if the playbook opens up. But until that time, guys, the plan is is give the ball to Derrick Henry, throw the ball kind of short, and don't commit turnovers. That's it. That's how you win games. That's how we've won four straight. That's how we're going to win against the Houston Texans. Safe and easy and not sexy plays. The kind of plays that get you the, 31, the 31st ranked offense in the NFL. That's how we win games. So... I don't understand this bullshit where everyone hates Todd Downing and wants him to be fired because he can't turn the one of the worst offensive rosters in the NFL into a top 10 offense. Like, are people that stupid? 
do people not have that much of a grasp on how the NFL works? I can't I can't listen to stupid fans anymore bitch and complain about oh we just need to we need to trade for DJ Moore. We need to trade for another receiver so that we can get the passing game going. We can't block. We can't block anybody. Ryan Tannehill gets his ass kicked anytime he takes more than 3 steps in a drop. The play action passes aren't working because the receivers can't get separation. I get it. That's a reason to trade for a receiver. But as soon as Ryan Tannehill turns his back to the defense, there's a 75% chance someone's getting ready to butt fuck him. So give me a fucking break on Todd Downing. And then there is the Malik Willis play, the jet sweep, the second time that it's been run to a player that you want to have the ball, but it's just poorly executed. I saw so many people bitching. Why or why would you run a jet sweep to your backup quarterback? And I get it. If your backup quarterback were Logan fucking Woodside. Malik Willis is an athlete. Like, the best arguable athlete on the Titans right now. You get the ball in his hands and you want him to do some crazy shit that's going to get you a first down in a third and long situation. Because if he's able to turn that corner, you believe that his shiftiness is going to get you somewhere. That's like saying, however many years ago, when Joe Flacco was the quarterback of the, of the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson was the backup. If you ran that play to Lamar Jackson, do you think the Ravens are going to be like, well, why would you give it to your backup quarterback? Stop looking at, that's such a fucking lazy, lazy bitch. Like, that's a lazy complaint. Don't give it to your back. Malik Willis is an athlete. And you know what? I don't blame Todd Downing for the play call or the execution. I blame Malik Willis. Do you not know how to take a fucking handoff? You learn that shit when you're five years old. I don't mean to be disrespectful to Malik. But if that play... I have to imagine that that play was ran in practice. It wasn't the first time he had run it. And he just did a terrible fucking job of running it maybe he was scared that DeForest Buckner in his face maybe Dennis Daly wasn't supposed to let uh what's his fucking name maybe Daly wasn't supposed to let Buckner right through maybe he was supposed to block him and then Malik wouldn't have been terrified and he would have received the handoff properly and it would have been a successful play and people wouldn't have complained who fucking knows but the 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 ball Hitting the ground, the fumble, that's on Malik Willis. That's not on Todd Downing. The exact same way that when they ran it with Chigakonkwo, Chigakonkwo, he's our most athletic tight end. Of course you want the ball in his hands. We ran that play to Johnny Smith however many years ago because he's an athlete and you want the ball in his hand. This double standard bullshit just needs to stop. I don't know why I'm getting so heated about this. I'm just so sick and tired of lazy complaints that have no depth of thought to them. What the fuck is Todd Downing supposed to do? You want Malik Willis on the field? That means probably not as the quarterback. Maybe that means out at the wide receiver in a wildcat and maybe Derrick Henry throws him that shit. Or 
I don't know, like a two a two running back set, and one of them's Malik Willis. You run a pitch to Willis, and either he runs it or he throws it. Like that that's how you get him involved. I saw so many people bitching that when Ryan Tannehill went down and on a third down in field goal range, that they didn't let Malik throw it. Why would you let Malik throw it in that situation? You're in field goal range. You're about to make it a two-score game. The last thing you would want is maybe a read option where the mesh point gets fucked up. Like, that would be terrible, especially with how shitty our offensive line is. Or a standard throw. Maybe he looks and he doesn't see his backside protection breakdown and he gets his ass handed to him, sack, fumble, and it's a completely different game. You do something safe in that scenario. God, fans are so stupid. Like, if you see a stupid fan, please say, just stop being stupid. I'm going to start doing that. Every single Sunday, you're going to look at my Twitter account, at Canadian underscore Titan, and at least seven times, you will see me say to somebody, stop being stupid. And most of those people will probably be Sal. That's not true. I'm blocked. Let's move on. Let's move on to talking about the other topic I wanted to talk about before we head on to the Houston Texans preview. Dylan Radins and Nicholas petit Frere. Now, Dylan Radins has filled in at right guard over the last two weeks, and I personally think he's done a rather admirable job. When you consider that not only was guard not the position that he was drafted for, but he is a left-side player, not a right-side player, I think he's done pretty well especially considering that against the Commanders, he was facing off against Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and uh, Montez Sweat. Like, those are quality defenders. And this time around, he was facing off against DeForest Buckner, who is an all-pro and is a pro bowler. And he held up pretty well. I don't think he gave up a sack this week. He was our top-rated pass-blocking offensive lineman. But for some reason, well, not for some reason, probably because of what happened last year and because he's not the starting right tackle, fans and media and fucking Jared Stillman have decided he sucks. He's trash. He doesn't deserve to be on the field. And I find this so interesting. Interesting. Because we have no problem giving so many other players the opportunity to grow and get better year over year. When Nate Davis started, he was at, he was terrible and he got better as the year went on. And let me tell you guys a secret because it seems to be a secret for whatever reason. Nicholas Petit Frere is not that good. He's a rookie and he you know, deserves the opportunity to learn and get better. But he is false starting often. Not even just when they call it. If you watch the plays, Nicholas Petit Frere NPF's get off is at least two or three times a game too fast. He's just not getting called. And when Nicholas NPF, I don't know why I keep trying to say his full name, and when NPF gets beat, he gets beat bad. 
And Ryan Tannehill's injury happened because NPF got beat on the edge. That's all NPF. But you do not see the criticism from the Titans fan base. You don't hear a lot of criticism from Titans media because he's a rookie and you're fine with it. And I don't understand why you're not fine with Dylan Raidens' learning curves. With his bumps and bruises as he learns another position that he was not drafted for. There is a disproportionate amount of leniency given to some players and not others. Titans fans have given up on Caleb Farley. They've given up on Dylan Radins. They've completely refused the possibility that these players can get better. And I think that's a failure because John Robinson picked these players because he believed in them. Mike Vrabel coaches these players because he believes in them. Maybe, just maybe, Titans fans should give them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Calling Dylan Raidens a bust in year two is a mistake. Calling Caleb Farley a bust in year two is a mistake. And that's pretty much all I got to say about that. NPF is going to get better. Dylan Raidens is going to get better. Just give him a fucking chance. Now, before I go into the Houston Texans quick preview, there's one last thing that I want to discuss. Something I actually just remembered right now. And that's the trade deadline. Now, the trade deadline is the Tuesday after this weekend. This coming Tuesday, I guess. And there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not the Titans are going to trade for a receiver or trade for an offensive lineman. I've seen crazy names thrown out. I've seen DJ Moore, of course. I've seen we should give up our first round pick for a Monroe St. Brown. Can't believe people are trying to do that. That's stupid. I've seen Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. I've seen Brandon Cooks. I've seen every single wide receiver who is remotely available. Titans fans call for them. And I've seen a lot of Titans fans say, just give up the first round pick because John Robinson's trash with them. That's dumb, but we don't need to go into the details why. I would rather do this. Consider this for a moment. Instead of making one giant swing for a wide receiver or one giant swing for a a tackle, why not take two medium-sized swings at both positions? You could get, what's his name, Andre Dillard from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's on the last year of his rookie contract, a former first-round pick. You could probably get him on the cheap because the Eagles need picks now that they keep trading for everybody. On top of that, you could probably get yourself a KJ Hamler or a Chase Claypool relatively cheap because those teams have a surplus at wide receiver and a need for picks. That would be my Elite Titans trade request. Andre Dillard, KJ Hamler. Make those two things happen, and you're laughing. 
because we don't need a stud at left tackle, and we certainly don't need a stud at wide receiver. We just need competent pieces, and those are two competent pieces. So now, let's move on to the Houston Texans. Another divisional game against another opponent who fucking sucks. The Tennessee Titans are going to wipe the floor with the Houston Texans. Now, I know every single year, the Texans give us some degree of trouble. Whether it's Danny Amendola becoming the next Randy Moss against us, or it's Deshaun Watson throwing for a billion yards with nobody on his team, the Titans always seem to struggle with the Houston Texans. And to be honest, if I'm being realistic with you, chances are the Titans are going to struggle against the Houston Texans on Sunday. We still have no wide receivers as of this recording. Our offensive line is still a turnstile. But luckily, the Houston Texans are the worst team against the run, and we have the best running back in the NFL. I'm predicting, conservatively, 150 rushing yards at least and two touchdowns for Derrick Henry. Now, over the last three Houston Texans matchups, Derrick Henry's run for over 200 yards in all three. So I I think 150 is being a little bit conservative. But with this offensive line, who knows? And defensively, well, what do the Titans have to fear? Brandon Cooks is more than capable receiver, but is he scary by himself? I don't think so. He has not been particularly scary this year. My fantasy team will tell you that. Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, these are two young players who have yet to make their mark on the NFL, despite not having a lot of competition on Houston's roster. Damian Pierce has been an absolute stud of a rookie running back. But the Titans are one of the best run defenses in the NFL. I do not think Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, Bud Dupree... Tier Tart, I don't think these guys are going to let Damian Pierce run all over them. I think they're going to have something to say about that. And Davis Mills, in his, what, third year, second year, third year? I don't remember now. He's not the guy. He's an okay quarterback. I think it is his second year. And he's doing a slump off of what was a decent season last year. But the Houston Texans have nobody. They're not trying. The fact that they even tied the Indianapolis Colts is more a statement on how shitty the Colts are rather than how good the Texans might be. The Texans are a terrible team. And there's no reason why the Titans would lose this game. Let's let's take in a scenario. Let's assume for a moment that Ryan Tannehill can't play. I have every belief that he will play because he's one of the toughest motherfuckers on the Titans roster. But let's assume that he can't. Maybe Mike Vrabel says, you know what? Let's play it safe. Let's keep you out because we got the Kansas City Chiefs on November 6th on Sunday Night Football. So let's, let's keep you safe, Ryan. And I don't think that that would be a ridiculous thing for Mike Vrabel to do. But let's say it happens and Malik Willis is your starting quarterback. What would the game plan be? Why, it would be run the ball, 
run the ball and run the fucking ball. And what did I just say about the Texans' run defense? It is the worst in the NFL. I could not think of a better game for Malik Willis to start than this one. Because he can make plays with his legs. We've seen it already. His entire college career shows him making plays with his legs. And Derrick Henry owns the Houston Texans more than he owns the Colts. So running, running, running is the game plan. Malik Willis can do that. And when the Houston Texans decide to crowd the box and and try and make Malik make a million mistakes, that's going to open up the passing game. That's going to open up newly acquired Chris Conley, assuming he plays. And it's going to open up Robert Woods to get a little bit of separation on the corners for the Houston Texans who are not particularly good. Derek Stingley, I think his name is, the rookie that was drafted in the top five, he's not having a particularly great season. Now, this could be because he's more of a man corner and the Texans are running a lot of zone. Maybe that's it. But the Texans just have nobody to be worried about. Now, I'm hoping to be able to do a deeper preview later in the week. But, like, don't count on it, guys. I've been saying I'm going to do two episodes and I've been only doing one. That's the Elite Titans podcast for you. We fly by the seat of our pants here. So that's going to do it for me, guys, this week. Wrapping it up. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Elite Titans podcast. If you did, share it with a friend. Share it with your mom. Share it with your cat because dogs don't like podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Canadian underscore Titan. Or you can follow the podcast at Elite Titans Pod where I post these episodes and memes occasionally please remember guys as always i am not a homer i'm just an elite titans fan tighten up fuck the texans and fuck the colts god they're a shitty fucking football team